0: Hi there. I'm Gazette sports columnist Michael Os, and I'm joined by Nathan Ford of the Gazette sports staff. We thought that the concept of Iowa being tied for first place in the Big Ten on January the 19th was worth talking about, so we're going to do that here. Now, rather than pick apart the Hawkeyes, I, I guess I'd say the nutshell version is they're playing really well. Okay, but how good are there Big Ten title chances, really, with roughly two-thirds of the conference season left? And who are the real main challengers? So, Nathan, uh, should we do this?
1: Yeah, let's get into it.
0: Okay. Uh, this is Tuesday morning when we're uh, recording this, okay? So, Iowa and Michigan are tied at 6-1 and one in the Big Ten. Michigan plays Maryland tonight, should handle Maryland. I say that knowing that Maryland's only two Big Ten wins are the most unlikeliest at Wisconsin and at Illinois. That's just nuts to me. I've seen Maryland play in person. They shouldn't have won those games.
1: (laughs) It's unbelievable. I I know they've been dealing with some injuries and stuff too, and obviously they they have a lot of new pieces that they're factoring in, but out of all the games on their schedule – Those are probably the last two I would have given them a chance to win.
0: Yeah, they've been great friends to the Hawkeyes. I mean, they put losses up for Wisconsin and Illinois. Yeah. Games that you would never have figured. I mean, if those games are at Maryland, you're not stunned. But this is – Big Ten teams, the the top seven Big Ten teams are 23-3 and at home in the conference. Two of those losses were those uh, two I just mentioned, Maryland winning.
1: I think coming into this year people were kind of wondering if home court advantage would be the same without fans obviously mm-hmm. I mean there's a few fans but without packed arenas but I think we've seen at least in the Big 10 that it, it it still matters a little bit home court advantage it's not just it's not just about crowd noise and the way that crowds can impact road teams or the refs it has to do with just the arena the comforts of the arena and just not traveling too. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you're if you're sleeping in your own bed, don't have to get on a plane. I mean, you can just feel more comfortable in the home games. I think we've seen that factor into a lot of these game Big Ten games this year.
0: Yeah, that and that's what I, I was hearing from people. All the the you know when Iowa won at Rutgers, well, it doesn't mean as much. There were no fans there. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you, if if that place had had its eight thousand fans, I Iowa loses that game. But what you just said is right. I mean, familiarity matters, I think, as much as fan noise and maybe more. You know the rims. You know the lights. You just have that better feeling. And uh, any road win is a great win. And with Iowa getting three in a row, that gives them a real leg up on some of these teams.
1: I always laugh, too, about the, uh, the basketballs because there's no there's no standard ball at mm-hmm. these arenas. And I remember a few years ago, some Iowa players, I don't think they blamed the loss at Maryland on the basketball, but they certainly weren't big fans of the Under Armour ball. So, I, I mean, you play with your own basketball, maybe that makes a bit of a difference too. But uh, I know some of these arenas are having the, the fake crowd noise. I'm curious what that's been like for you to –
0: you know, it's more noticeable on TV than it is in person. Yeah. And, and, and I could get it really deep into that in-person experience because there are so few people in the arena. And at Carver, for some reason, it doesn't strike me as much because parents, family members are allowed. Mm-hmm. They don't amount to a lot. I mean, it's only a couple hundred people, three, four hundred people, maybe tops, And that doesn't make a dent in a 15,000 arena. But just having somebody there in the seats does make some sort of a difference. But I've been to Minnesota, Rutgers, Maryland, Northwestern, no fans, and it is bizarre. I mean, I, I feel like maybe this is just one of so many things in the last year where I'm being tested to see if I'll believe it or not, that it's really happening you know that they would be playing a big 10 basketball game and i'm one of you know maybe double digit spectators it's i feel sort of privileged but at the same time i it just feels so odd and and i but but the crowd noise is is sort of a lower level in the arena than and then i watch it on tv or i watch the replay of it and it's like yeah that's really annoying yeah. really stupid
1: yeah, I mean, I've kind of learned to tune it out because you hear it on almost every broadcast. And, and watching the, the NBA in the bubble this summer, too, it was mm-hmm. kind of apparent. But if once you like start to hear it and you can't make your mind like distract itself from it, it, it is very annoying. I, I'm kind of surprised that so many teams are, are doing it. Yeah,
0: I, I think the Big Ten has mandated it. Mm. Uh, i tell you, I mean, in the second half in the Northwestern game, the game's over. It's a blowout. But, the, yeah. but the, the level of the noise doesn't change. It doesn't match up at all. And I, I think they're making a mistake. I, I think that people would much rather hear the players and coaches. And if you get it through a few, you know, vulgarities mixed in there, so what? We can handle it. Mm-hmm. But I like to know what they're saying and, and uh, thinking as much as possible.
1: Yeah, I think it's fun to hear the the benches too. I mean, the way that some of these teams are having their benches sort of act as like their student sections where yes. they're, they're doing the chants, they're getting into it. I mean, obviously, I, I went to Warburg and covered a lot of Division three basketball, and that was something that I noticed as a big difference is benches were always doing chants and getting into it, trying to bring that energy. And I've seen that a lot with some of these Division one teams this year and in the Big Ten Illinois especially is always always loud on the sidelines I think that's a lot more fun more exciting to hear than this fake crowd noise that is like cheering during weird times and mm-hmm. it's not even it's not even queued up to how the game is playing like you right. said on I think it's
0: insulting yeah it's insulting to viewers and I, I think it's the players don't see, seem to even notice it which Probably. I, I yeah. but but uh, the on the telecast it's it's not good. And I, here's something that uh, that struck me Sunday at Northwestern. Uh, Iowa, you know, was making a, a lot of threes in that game, as they have recently. The players on the bench know when their teammates are going to make threes yeah. before the ball has left their hand. It's incredible. Yeah. Just on how the pass was made, how the players positioned. Uh, it happened, I bet, a half dozen times when – the players on the bench were putting the three points on the board before the ball had gotten in the mm-hmm. air. And they're right. And they also know when the shot's not going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's players are smart.
1: <laughs> Notice one time uh, CJ Frederick had an open three, a great passes, and the bench did exactly what you said. They were standing up, they had three points ready to go, and it like mm-hmm. brimmed out. And they were just, it was like, couldn't believe it. how did we get one <laughs> wrong? <laughs>
0: Uh I uh as I said going into Tuesday night this is Tuesday morning as we're taping this Iowa and Michigan are tied at 6 and 1. Okay. And the Wolverines play Maryland Tuesday night, should handle them, etc. Uh Michigan just a few days ago all of a sudden became everybody's pick to win the Big Ten. It had thumped three straight ranked teams by at least 19 points. Uh, Now, those games were all at home, and they weren't maybe the three best ranked teams in the Big Ten. Northwestern was just keeping a spot warm for somebody else. But all of a sudden, the narrative was Michigan is a national championship contender. Michigan is the Big Ten favorite. Then it went to Minnesota and got whopped, which – to me, doesn't indicate anything going haywire. Those are things that happen. Minnesota, Michigan was due for a clunker, and Minnesota's been undefeated at home. And Michigan simply didn't bring its A game. But before that, you had, I mean, an ESPN.com piece had a headline, Can Anyone Slow Down Michigan? The answer to that was yes. <laughs> but, but this is a good Michigan team. What do you think about them?
1: Yeah, I was, I was really iffy on Michigan and kind of like you said, right up until that Wisconsin game. I mean, they needed overtime to be Oakland. They, their first big 10 games were against Penn state, Nebraska, Maryland, and Northwestern at the time was ranked, but I think uh, that game in particular and a couple others, you can see that Northwestern, that, that, that great story at the beginning of the big 10 season, maybe wasn't going to keep it up over 20 games. But I watched Michigan play Wisconsin and I was I was turned pretty quickly. And I think that's when a lot of the country was too that game mm-hmm. being the feature game on ESPN Tuesday night against a top 10 Wisconsin team that a lot of people were picking to win the big 10 and just destroyed them. The offense looked fantastic. Defense was excellent. I think they went on like a 36-3 to run yes. at one point. And that just – I mean, that doesn't happen in any Big Ten game, let alone against a favorite. Right. So I came away with that one thinking I think Michigan might be the best team in the Big Ten. But then they lose at Minnesota, and it wasn't just that they lost. They got blown out. And that, that pretty clearly shows that they – while they're still a really good team, it's not like – they're at a different tier, I think than I once and the rest of the contenders. They do seem to have a bit of an easier schedule than some of the easy, some of the other contenders. Um, but I think that I don't think that it's gonna be Michigan in the field necessarily.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a deceiving schedule. Uh, there are people I've seen here in Iowa who say, well, they only play Iowa once and it's at Ann Arbor. They only play, uh, I think, Illinois once and it's at Ann Arbor. I think that's right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, but uh, they've got to go to Purdue. That's tough. Mm-hmm. They've got to go to Wisconsin. Wisconsin will be angry. Mm-hmm. They've got to go to Ohio State, which is a very good team. They've got to go to Michigan State. And you know how they get cranked up in East Lansing for Michigan. So it, Michigan doesn't have the softest schedule of anybody. I, I, in fact, I've seen rankings of remaining schedules, and Michigan's is ranked just a little bit harder than Iowa's. Uh, so don't be deceived by that. However, it is maybe it's unfortunate for Iowa that they don't get two games with Michigan and they don't get Michigan at home. And they don't play them until late in the season. So this could be an ongoing story. Which one's better? We don't know. We don't know. They're not playing each other.
1: Yeah, and Michigan, I I think – I mean, obviously we'll get into that more when Michigan plays Iowa, but the way that they might be able to match up against Iowa, too, is going to be interesting with Hunter Dickinson, the freshman inside. What. Just the athleticism that he has might be able to have a chance at at bothering Garza a little bit, and then just the length that they have with Wagner and Livers, and those are those are things that show up on a nightly basis in terms of defense. Mm-hmm. I think their defense is ranked number one in the Big Ten on Ken Palm. So yes, there's going to be bad nights for them, like against Minnesota, but that, everybody that's has them. Yeah, and that's something you can rely on. More times than not is the way that they've been playing defense.
0: Mm-hmm. They, they've got the uh, the nation's best defense inside the three point line, uh, and like you said, I mean look, they've they've got NBA players. This is what snuck up on people was that this Dickinson guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a highly rated recruit, but when the preseason analysis were being made, nobody saw Hunter Dickinson coming on in his freshman year and doing what he's been doing. And he's until Saturday. I think he had five points in Minnesota. But until then, it seemed like he'd been getting better every game. A seven foot one guy, who's who's playing like an old time dominant center, something you don't see a lot of. And that's where Garza has his most struggles when he goes up against good big men. Liam Robbins at Minnesota fought him pretty well until the second half of the Minnesota Iowa game in Iowa City. Uh, Xavier Tillman, not a seven footer, but uh, probably was harder on Garza last year than anybody in the country. And he's playing well in the NBA right now. You see why? So, yeah, I mean, when you've got a guy like Dickinson to fit in, Wagner's very good. I think Wagner's an NBA player like his brother. And Isaiah Livers has been a real fine Big Ten player his whole career and a veteran player. Uh, so this is a, a team that's for real. But uh, I think that the, the remaining two-thirds of the Big Ten schedule is going to be harder on them than the first one-third was.
1: Yeah, and they, like you said with Dickinson, they have had some multiple guys kind of come out of nowhere this year, and I think that's sort of why they snuck up on people, is they had Mike Smith as a transfer, mm-hmm. Shondi Brown as a transfer, and then Wagner, I mean, last year, to me, he was just Mo Wagner's brother, and... You know, you could see some of that potential, that scale, but he looks like an NBA player this year, like you said. And so, whereas I think we knew what Iowa had, we knew what Illinois had, we knew what Wisconsin had, Michigan has put those pieces together really quickly and sort of snuck up on
0: people. It's funny. I mean, after that, in two days, Michigan goes to Minnesota, gets routed. Uh, Iowa goes to Northwestern on national TV, CBS, real national TV. And, uh, you know, blows Northwestern out of its own gym. And the narrative changes back. Iowa is the best team in the league. You know, this is how it goes. But at some point, I wonder if Iowa is going to hold that distinction for good. You know, I said when they were four and one, I looked at the schedule and said, I see eight and one when they go to Illinois. I still think that. And I think, and you know, if that is the case, they'll be ranked no lower than fourth. They'll still be no worse than tied for the Big Ten lead. And with eight straight wins, or, uh, yeah, with eight straight wins, uh, the the so-called buzz about Iowa is going to be pretty loud nationally.
1: Yeah, and Illinois right now just has Penn State on on the schedule until then, but I don't know what their situation is going to be with postponements and makeups Mm -hmm. and stuff but that i think it was the game that a lot of people had circled especially in january and hopefully illinois is in a position where it's going to draw a lot of attention nationally because that's sort of where those narratives are built for sure
0: yeah i don't know who to talk about after michigan is it wisconsin because wisconsin's five and two and Wisconsin still Wisconsin or do you say okay Illinois which has three conference losses but they've got you know the team to if they pull it together that's still the team you got to worry most about I I kind of think it's Wisconsin what do you think
1: I think it's Wisconsin too and maybe part of that is like you were saying where that that narrative kind of changes every week and Illinois lost back-to-back games so we're kind of pushing them aside a little bit but Wisconsin was the big co Big Ten champion last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Brought back the whole team, the same
0: guys.
1: <laughs> so I I'm not ready to dismiss Wisconsin just because they they had a bad performance against Michigan. I think, I mean they they lost uh, when they lost to Iowa last year, and people were wondering if they were going to make the NCAA tournament. And then they won nine of their last yeah. ten games. And so this is an experienced group that's not just gonna just because they lost. By 40 to Michigan is not going to.
0: No. I-, I was going to. I think I will have a game like that. I'm not saying they're going to lose by 30 points to anybody, yeah. but there's going to be somewhere on the road where they just come out flat and never fall behind and never quite get it going. It's college mm-hmm. basketball. I mean, I'm not saying it'll happen to Gonzaga in that conference, but it, I think it'll happen to Baylor at some point. Mm -hmm. And it'll happen to Iowa at some point. It happens to everybody. Duke goes somewhere and gets beaten soundly at some point every year. Mm -hmm. You just can't play a a 31 game schedule. I don't know what it is this year, 27 without some night. You just don't have it. And the other team is, is locked in, but, uh, Wisconsin is not as bad as it was at Michigan, just like you said. It's, it's a team that knows what it's doing. It's got good guards who've been around the block. They play good defense. They take care of the ball like they always do. I mean, uh, they, li- they average 8.4 turnovers a game, which it, it, you'd say that's crazy. But they do it every year. You know, so they they don't beat themselves, to use the cliche, and that's why they do beat a lot of other teams.
1: And they're in a a similar position right now where they have Northwestern and Ohio State at home this week. Obviously, Ohio State's a good team, but that is at home. And then they have Penn State twice and Maryland before they play Illinois. So they could easily be 10-2 and before they go to Illinois. Mm -hmm. And then they've got Michigan and Iowa coming up in February, so – yeah, it, it would definitely be a wrong idea to just dismiss Wisconsin because of one, one bad performance.
0: Yeah. Illinois, to me, I mean, everybody was – I mean, Illinois at some places, uh, betting circles, was the <laughs> Big Ten favorite before the season started by a hair over Iowa, not by a lot, but by a hair. And in the preseason rankings, they were right there side-by-side side with Iowa. Here they are at uh, three losses, two at home, as we said. And uh, the only reason they're not the biggest disappointment in the league is Michigan State. Mm-hmm. They just haven't meshed. I'm, I'm going to read something that, that Brad Underwood said after they lost to Ohio State last Saturday. Uh, He said, I'm getting really frustrated with poor, lack of emotional, non-competitive starts. We have to get this figured out. We're excellent. We're one of the best teams in the country when we play, and when we don't, well, we've got to stop with the don'ts. We've got to put five guys on the floor who'll be competitive and not ride the emotional waves of good and bad, but just play. You can't have guys not just show up and not be assignment sound and not be dialed in mentally, I see the potential, I see the upside, how we haven't taken that next step is very frustrating. That doesn't sound like a guy who's coaching a top-five team. That sounds like a guy who's coaching a team that's, uh, you know, going in different directions.
1: Yeah, it's – it must be really frustrating for Illinois fans because they were – obviously such a highly anticipated team coming into the season they get the back and he's been excellent they get coburn back but i don't know if they just if it's what kind of brad underwood was talking about or if they just have some players on on the team that maybe don't quite know what their role is or haven't quite figured that out in certain spots if they maybe lean on Desumu to create his own shot a little bit too much I haven't watched him as much as I would have liked but just from a few of the games that I've seen it in some of their in some of their um, bad performances anyway whereas it seems like Iowa you know clearly is the go-to guy but they have a lot of depth they have a lot of shooters mm-hmm. coming off the bench too that A lot of contributors, and I think sometimes Illinois maybe goes one on one a little bit too much with the sumu instead of some of and and they just don't have quite as many threats coming in beyond their top guys.
0: Mm -hmm. No, I mean you look, you watch Iowa, and everybody who goes on the court knows what their job is. Yeah, and they also have multiple jobs, of course.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: but they they know each other and they know where each other uh, is on the court. And it sounds like a simple thing, but it's not. Uh, I see De Sunmu and I see a brilliant player.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But Ohio State smothered him in the first half and nobody else, you know, answered the bell over there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Whereas at Iowa, you've seen what they, you know, when Garza gets doubled and just, you know, blanketed. The rest of the guys on Iowa's, you uh, know, on the floor for Iowa, they know what to do. They know where to be. Garza knows where they are and, and uh, where they want the ball. And, you know, talent's got a lot to do with that, but, yeah. but cohesiveness is everything in the game, mm-hmm. especially at the college level. And uh, you just haven't seen that from Illinois. And, and a good thing it is for Iowa and Michigan and the others because Kofi Coburn, uh, when he's playing well, is an incredible force in the middle. And Desunmu, as I said, is, is a is just as good as it gets, I think, in college basketball as a guard. But it's not enough, mm-hmm. you know? And if those other guys aren't feeling it – uh, Illinois is is good, not great. Illinois is capable of beating you by twenty points, but night after night, no.
1: Yeah, and I know Iowa relies on some freshmen a little bit. Keegan Murray's made an impact, and Patrick McCaffrey, but I think Illinois they've got they've got Corbello and Miller that are they're asking to be kind of those secondary offensive threats, and maybe. Them just being freshmen, they haven't fit in quite as well. Some mm-hmm. nights, they're clearly really talented players and have the potential to make Illinois a top-five team. But I think maybe where Iowa has Frederick, Bohannon, those kind of guys that have been there and know where to be around Garza, where to fit in around Camp, maybe Illinois on some nights don't know quite as, quite as much.
0: This is where – Things can be deceiving. People look at Iowa's roster, and as you said, Murray McCaffrey, Patrick McCaffrey, freshman. Except, Murray had a year of prep school, high-level mm-hmm. prep school.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He that everybody's saying he doesn't look like a freshman. Well, I mean, age-wise, he's not. Right. Patrick McCaffrey is a second-year freshman who's lived the basketball life since he was, you know, probably three foot tall. He's, I mean. He's, uh, that's all, I mean, he's been basketball, 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 living with a Big Ten coach, uh, growing up with a brother who plays Big Ten basketball. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are not 18-year-old kids on their own for the first time, learning about the rigors of Big Ten play. These are guys who've got a pretty good idea about it. And Keegan Murray's father played at Iowa. And so, I mean, he, he basically has lived the life since he was a wee lad. So, and then you've got Bohannon, fifth-year senior. Frederick, third-year sophomore. Uh, you've got so many years of experience in this lineup that this is how college basketball works. It used to be... You had to have two NBA players on your team, maybe three. You couldn't uh, go to a Final Four. Maybe you could sneak into a Final Four, but you couldn't win a national championship without two or three pros. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case anymore. I mean, the guys Virginia won the title with a couple of years ago. They, a couple of them went to the NBA, but we're not talking. We're talking about borderline G League NBA guys, except for uh, Hunter, who's with the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, having experienced older guys up and down the lineup negates a whole lot. And, and Iowa has one of those rare teams where it's loaded with those guys.
1: That seems to be sort of the consensus in the, in the college basketball community now, when you, especially this season, when you look at teams like Kentucky and Duke that aren't ranked um, and are relying on – five-star freshmen. a lot of years that's gonna that's gonna work to have the most talented players you're gonna be a really good team and have a chance to get to a final four but maybe it's just because this year is different and teams didn't have as much practice coming into the year but I think you're seeing you are seeing a lot more of that when you look at some of the top teams they it's all guys that came back Mm -hmm. came back to college and were good last year too weren't just Mm-hmm. aren't just you know getting getting better which they are but they were all america all conference type players last year that are just even more comfortable this season
0: mm-hmm. that, that's it kentucky doesn't have a, a towns for instance yeah uh duke doesn't obviously doesn't have a zion williamson nobody does but duke doesn't seem to have that surefire top three or four nba draft pick Right. Uh, it's it's very interesting to me. I mean, I, I look at these NBA mock drafts and things don't change. The Big Ten doesn't have first rounders. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe one or two, but they don't have the lottery picks. This isn't anything new. But yet Big Ten basketball has I don't think, ever been held in higher esteem than it's been last season and this season because you've caught those teams with the second, third team All-America potential besides Garza and DeSumo, you've got the, the you know, the Isaiah Livers, the Io DeSumus, uh, the Trevion Williams at Purdue, and on down the line. Every team has got really good college players who have that experience.
1: Yeah, and that's that's evident when you look at the bracketology right now I mean there you could have 10 11 big 10 teams in the tournament and most of those teams like you said have guys that are that have been there before but that might not be the top NBA prospects and if you're a college basketball fan I think that's that's really fun to watch and there might be sort of a splintering going on in terms of basketball fans whether you like the NBA or you like college better but I think if you like basketball, you like to watch these teams play, share the ball, and, and shoot the ball because it, it, it's fun to watch.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there anybody else in the Big Ten that you think can compete for the title? Ohio State and Purdue, I guess, would be the ones. And Michigan State, w- which is kind of like the vampire, you better get out the wooden stake. or I mean, until Michigan State is done – you know, but beware. What do you think of yeah. those three?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure I see it with with Purdue, even though Williams has been really good the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. And maybe I'm just biased after watching Purdue play Iowa, but I think Purdue might be just a little too young to keep up for a 20-game for a Big Ten season. With Ohio State, I think they've had – Uh, an injury issue too I think with Liddell he's back so maybe they have a chance and like you said with Michigan State it's tough to rule them out but I mean right now to me it's between the four that we've been talking about but as we've mentioned before Wisconsin came out of nowhere last year and and won a share of it so over 20 games it's hard to say what do you think is you know, last year we had three teams that won the Big Ten with six losses. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's going to be something like that this year? No. Or is it going to be
0: no, years? I I think I think you might have to go at least sixteen and four, mm-hmm. and that doesn't leave much margin for error for Illinois, Ohio State, or Purdue. And I'm, i look, I could be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa has a lot of banana peels ahead. Everybody does, of course, but at Ohio state, I think it's going to be hard at Illinois is going to be very hard at Michigan state is going to be very hard, but I, you know, I think Iowa protects its home court and I don't see Iowa dropping five more games, assuming that there's good health the rest of the way, which we're assuming with all these teams, Mm -hmm. Uh. Which is where Ohio State and Purdue, two games back right now in the loss column, have to be borderline perfect. They're good teams, and they play each other very soon, uh, that are getting better. Uh, Purdue's played its best ball of the season in the last two weeks. Matt Painter team, tough as nails, deep, smart, and talented. Mm -hmm. Young players are coming along nicely there. Not the team that lost by 15 points at Iowa.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but can Purdue keep winning and winning and winning and winning? That's a tough order. Ohio State's won three in a row, one at Rutgers, one at Illinois. They had that one point loss at Northwestern. That's haunting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, they've got a nice inside out game. They rebound well, uh, well coached, but their margin of error is so slim with three losses in the first eight games. Michigan State at two and four, and the COVID that they've experienced only makes their schedule harder because they're gonna have presumably so many games crammed into a schedule. That's tough. That's tough. And and they don't I don't think they've got the point guards to get it done. And it's it seems weird to say it, but I just don't see Michigan State as a factor, even though they've got, you know, a lot of typical Michigan State talent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think the teams at the top of the Big Ten are just so much more consistent than than last year, especially. You know, last year, I think Michigan State and Maryland were probably the most talented teams, but they weren't necessarily – people weren't looking at them and saying that's a Final Four team, where where they might look at Iowa and Illinois and Wisconsin and say that's Final Four Mm -hmm. capable team, talented enough team. I I think, like you said, that consistency is going to make it tougher for some of these teams to climb out of the early holes that they've been in.
0: And Michigan State was ranked, what, fourth a month ago? Yeah. Yeah. And they were in the preseason top ten. They won at Duke, which made everybody say here they are again. Mm -hmm. But uh, the reality seems to be something else. Yep. Uh, Okay. Uh, We're not going to – analyze the rest of them because there's no need to <laughs> <laughs> the uh, next game for iowa's thursday night presumably against indiana in carver seems like they haven't played in carver in a long time but it was only last sunday mm. nothing seems quite what it really is anymore <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: what day is uh, indiana nothing special there uh they they're not happy in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Being uh where they are in the conference is one reason, but getting beat by Purdue again, Archie Miller has yet to beat them. I think they've lost five in a row to Purdue at Assembly Hall, which is just completely unacceptable over there. Uh they're three and five and they come to Iowa. They will not have played it in a week. That didn't bother Iowa when it played at Northwestern having the layoff. Some suggested that the layoff's a good thing for Indiana. But can Indiana win this game?
1: Can Indiana win? Yes. Will Indiana win? Uh, I have a hard time seeing that, Um, and not just because it's at Iowa. Uh, I, I think Indiana is just kind of a flawed team. They, they have a lot of talent. They obviously trace Jackson Davis as one of the best players in the Big Ten. But I don't think they have even close to the, the depth and the shooting that Iowa has to keep up with them. You know, it could be a bad night for Iowa. Like we said, that's going to happen at some point. But just looking at just looking at it on paper, you'd expect Iowa to have probably close to a double-digit win. Is that Mm -hmm. what you see?
0: I do. I do. Garza, they – Iowa lost over there the last time they played by 12 points. A player named Devontae Green had a career night. I always heard that before, some guard who can't miss from three-point.
1: I thought it was going to happen Sunday for a little bit. It it had the
0: makings. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Devontae Green is not with them. He's playing in Greece. And doing very well, I'm told. (laughs) I wouldn't mind being in a foreign country right now. (laughs) We're not doing that here. (laughs) Uh, But they're not not, – there's nothing special about this Indiana team. They're not a good three-point shooting team. They're not a good free-throw shooting team. Their defense is okay. Mm -hmm. Their rebounding is nothing special. Their depth isn't great. They had a freshman class that was ranked 15th in the country. Four guys they brought in; only one of them's in their rotation. Uh, Jackson Davis, as you said, he's a, he's a special player, but on an ordinary team, yeah, uh, he brings it every night. I mean, his, his consistency has been excellent.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He gives you 20 and nine, and uh, if if uh, you're not you know, hounding him, he'll get 30. Yeah. But he's 6'9", and he's the biggest guy in the rotation. And if they're doubling on Garza, it's the same old story. Iowa's guards, unless they're stone cold, are going to hurt you. And, uh, you know, I think this is a game where Garza gets his 25 or 30. And Indiana can hang with Iowa for a while, but for 40 minutes – I just don't see it. And I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I just think that Iowa is in a place right now where it's very focused, unusually so maybe. And Indiana, they're going to have to really show us something that they can play Iowa to the wire in this game.
1: Yeah, I think if you're Iowa, you're you're okay with Jackson Davis getting his. And and your, your goal is to not let – their guards beat you, which if you're taking your chances, they're probably not going to. Franklin is a really good three-point shooter, but like you said, they don't have much much beyond that. And then on the other end, you're just going to Garza and seeing if you can get Jackson Davis in foul trouble potentially. If not, if it's going to be a double-team situation, you kick it out, you let your your guards go to work like they've been doing the last few weeks. And as long as they're – Hitting a average close to average, I don't think Indiana is a team that can keep up.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I agree, and and I I hear the people out there saying, "Don't say things like that." You know, <laughs> I mean, anybody can beat you if you don't come out sharp, and of course, that's true. Yeah, we see it every week in the Big Ten or somewhere. Uh, I just think that Indiana has to play extremely well, better than it's been playing, and Iowa's got to play much poorer than it's been playing lately. That's a hard combination to get, especially when you're the road team, as the Hoosiers are. Uh, But but Iowa is talking the right talk. They can't afford to listen to anybody about when the world's telling them how great they are, and they haven't been. They've been very focused. Uh, that game at Minnesota on Christmas, I think, might as time goes by, might have done them more good than any game this season. Mm-hmm. It was you let up, you get burnt in this league. And they, that uh, that really seems to have motivated those players to get right defensively. And their defense, it's not going to be mistaken for the best defense in the country. And it had its first half lapses against Northwestern for sure but over 40 minutes five games in a row that defense has been good enough if they play that kind of defense the rest of the way they're a Big Ten championship type team
1: yeah their their defense just needs to be good enough in spurts to let their offense win and that's what it's been the last few weeks I think after that Minnesota game we heard a lot of guys say this can't happen again we've got to make changes in in this regard especially with the way I'm blanking on his name now the Minnesota player that hit eight of nine three yeah
0: Brandon Johnson Brandon Johnson thank you (laughs) (laughs) like
1: the way that he went off and and Iowa just still (laughs) just had no answer for that
0: I'm not sure he's made a three pointer since (laughs) then
1: (laughs) I'm not sure he has either (laughs) you heard Iowa say we can't let we can't let a random guard just go off on us again. And I think a lot of fans were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, that's what you're going to say after that Mm -hmm. happens, but we've seen it countless times, but I think there was, they said it and I think they, they put it to action quite a bit and and since then too.
0: Well, it, it all comes around to Bohannon. Hmm. Uh, After that Minnesota game, you had a lot of grumbling out there in cyberspace about Bohannon. His, His shooting's bad. He's still not right from the hip surgeries. His defense isn't any good. And Bohannon himself was at low ebb mentally. He completely has turned it around. I mean, he has been the reason they've won five in a row. Mm. If he, if he hasn't turned it around, they, they simply don't win that Rutgers game. And with him hitting – not only hitting threes, but just playing good all-around basketball. Competent mm-hmm. defense, excellent ball handling. He's got 29 assists and seven turnovers in his five-game winning streak. That is great. Mm-hmm. He's playing like a fifth-year guy who's a winner and in turn makes everybody else better. Uh, if, if that's the Bohannon we're seeing the rest of the way, holy cow, you know.
1: That's yeah, that's big time. And we saw, we saw it against North Carolina, the way we kind of the old Bohannon and mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was difficult to watch just him missing threes that normally he would make not even just like the daggers, the deep threes, but he was missing open shots at times. And to see him back to the confidence that he plays with it, on both ends really is, is, has been
0: really fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, in this winning streak, He is 22 of 35 from three point. Uh, That is, it's one thing to have a couple good games in a row. That's five good games in a row. You know, if you're getting 40% from him, you're way ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. He's shooting like 62% plus in those five games. You can't expect that to continue, but as long as uh, he's making, you know, Two out of every five shots from out there—that—that's—that is the equivalent of 60% from two point, which you would take from anybody any day. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Wieskamp and Frederick and Garza stirring it up from out there as well. Uh, that is—that's the team that people saw potentially before the season they're 12 to one on, on at least one gambling site right now to win the national title at 12 to one. Is that a good investment?
1: Hmm. I I mean, I know a lot of people like to to look at the NCAA tournament and see teams that rely a lot on three point shooting and say, "I, I can't pick that team to win, to win it all because they could have a bad night, but I see Iowa with four guys shooting 40% or better from three in the starting lineup. And then one of the better passers in the country joining them. Plus some good pieces coming off the bench. And I would say that's a pretty good investment, especially if you're an Iowa fan. Why not?
0: Yeah. 12 to one.
1: Yeah. You know, uh,
0: look, I've seen Gonzaga in person with my own eyes and I know what they are. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder, uh, Jalen Suggs seems to have played his best game of the year in that Iowa game, and he's been good, but he hasn't been first-team All-America good Hmm. since then. Uh, I think Baylor's got the best team in the country. Really? And that could be disproved any minute now, you know, any – but I think that I, I like all the pieces Baylor's got. But I don't see Baylor as being, if Baylor played Iowa on a neutral court, I think maybe Baylor by one or two,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know. And I, I'm, I'm trying not to get too carried away about this Iowa business. Because in these five games they've won, uh, they haven't beaten an elite team. But, you know, they've gone on the road three times, gotten it done in the best conference. And at home, they've, they've owned two teams. Uh, they're playing their best ball right now. I think if they played Gonzaga in Sioux Falls tomorrow, it's a very close game. Yeah. In that, in that month since then, I don't think Gonzaga has a curve that's gone up and they're a really good team. Don't get me wrong. They've got NBA players, but I think Iowa has narrowed that gap.
1: Yeah. And that's you know, one of those games where Iowa went four for 22 from three point range. And right. that's, I think a lot of hockey fans have been hanging on to that and saying, that's not probably going to happen a whole lot this year with that team. And Bohannon was over five. That's, and clearly he's back to being himself again. So I think you might be right. If, if, Bohannon is playing this way, and the rest of the team is is playing as good as they have been, I think Iowa could be right there with, with Gonzaga and Baylor.
0: Last thing I wanted to talk about was the scheduling snafus. And first and foremost, we always seem to have to have this clarification, but we, it's not 100% that this thing's going to go all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. I really think it will because they've got to have an NCAA tournament. They've got to have that money. They've got to have that TV programming. Uh, They can't miss out on an NCAA tournament two years in a row. Financially, it would be ruinous Mm -hmm. for a lot of programs at these universities. So the motivation is there to do whatever it takes and play that three-week tournament. Uh, But but what are the conference records going to look like by the time we get to the end of the regular season? I think it's going to be uneven, just like it was in football. I don't see there being enough wiggle room to get everybody in the Big Ten 20 conference games, assuming they're going to play the Big Ten tournament as scheduled, and I think that's going to happen too. For the same reasons I just listed, the weekend games on CBS and the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday programming on BTN. Uh, so Iowa's got two games that are in limbo, and that's basically par for the course. And I mean Iowa State, Drake, and you and I have all had stoppages to their seasons because yeah. of COVID. Iowa's avoided that. A lot of their players had it in the off season and. That might work out in their favor, as warped as it is to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think Iowa gets all twenty games in?
1: I I, I think the Big Ten uh, is going to do its absolute best to get all twenty games in. I think you could have a situ- I think you could have situations where you're having three maybe even four games a week with some of these teams just to get these games in, because those are TV games. Those are, it's kind of the, the, uh, the competitive integrity factor where you want to get 20 games for each team in the standings. But we haven't really seen that there's going to be fewer postponements or fewer teams that are, that are going on COVID pauses, right now i mean the the numbers just in general in the country still aren't good it's Mm -hmm. not like there's going to be a vaccination campaign coming to the players and the coaches at least the the younger coaches anytime soon so i think there could be more pauses and the the deeper the closer we get to march it's going to be harder to make those games up i think it's tough to say whether Iowa itself ends up with 20 games, but I I kind of have a hard time seeing every single team in the Big Ten going into the Big Ten tournament with 20 conference games. I think maybe maybe Iowa and Michigan State and some of the teams that have those Big Ten championship hopes, maybe they work to get those games in a little bit harder so that you can have that competitive integrity at the top of the standings. But I think if there's teams that – uh, you know a Nebraska that's just gone on pause if they have some games postponed against some of the teams in the bottom bottom half of the standings maybe those are games where you can say ah we don't really need to make those up so I'm not sure that every Big Ten team ends up with all 20 games played but I would bet that they'll do their best to make sure that the was of the conference do
0: yeah I, I think that's that's on the mark I mean let's say that okay after the final scheduled day of the regular season, one team is seventeen and three, and another is sixteen and three. Mm-hmm. That is not going to go well. You know, it's yeah. just not. Uh uh-uh. uh So, but it. But at the same time, you could have a situation as you described, where a team's asked to play four games in a week. That's not really fair either.
1: No. But but. Really, the, the Big Ten standings in general is not fair when you think right. of 14 teams and you don't play everybody twice. and So it, it's just going to be another thing to deal with. And I think, you know, while these players are, uh, you know, it, there's no guarantees, I think, that they can avoid injuries and, and such things. I think they're 18 to 22 years old and they're excited to play any any chance that they can get Mm -hmm. so i I think
0: you know in the this i mean and also it's going to be how motivated are your opponents yeah late in the season
2: yeah
0: uh i think we saw some of it in football Mm -hmm. that some of the it's it is look i'm not going to say that these teams have made enormous sacrifices because that rubs some people the wrong way and i get it they are in very unusual circumstances Mm -hmm. with uh, basically living in a a bubble or so they say they are, you know, I'm not sure everybody is, but okay. They're, I think they're, everybody's trying. Yeah. Uh, And so it's not, it's, it's, it's basketball and go home, basketball and go home. And, and that's, that's hard. That's not fun, but come February, the teams that are winning and have something to play for, this is still going to be fun. This is still going to be, they're still going to be passionate about it, but teams that are playing out the string, ah, you might see some, some teams just, you know, getting completely unraveled by February.
1: Well, we've seen, we've seen some, some power conference women's basketball teams cancel their, their seasons at you know, a few games into it. I mean, Duke isn't playing anymore. I think SMU isn't playing anymore. So it, it could be a a situation where a team that's not going to make the NCAA tournament and has multiple players sick and doesn't know if they have even seven to eight players to fill a, a game. It's, I don't think it's out of the question that there aren't teams that and maybe not just in the big 10, but there aren't teams that just decide they can't finish their schedules. And that throws another wrench into it
0: too. There's all, there will be a lot of pressure though. Yeah. That television programming. True. Uh, uh, it's well, it's just, I mean, look, can say it a million different ways. It's not a normal year. Uh, be glad for what we've had so far and be glad that, there's still potential for a lot more to come
1: yep for sure I'm I'm thankful to to have Big Ten basketball on TV pretty much every night even that and you know there's many different layers to that that we could get in mm-hmm. on it in an entire different podcast but it I know it, it does bring a lot of people joy and even just seeing it on Twitter it, it felt a, like the most excited Iowa fans have been even Maybe not excited isn't the right word, but just happy on Sunday. Just thankful to have this team and be watching this team and be completely aware that it's not going to be like this forever. And they're just cherishing every minute of it, it seemed like, the way that Iowa was playing on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're a Big Ten title contender. Mm-hmm. You've got people around the country, basketball people, saying that they've got Final Four potential. Mm-hmm. When have we had that? Yeah. When have we had that around here about an Iowa team? Mm-hmm. So sometimes things happen so fast, and the season does go by so quickly, that. and I felt the same way in 2015 with the Iowa football team when it went 12-0 and in the regular season it happens so fast that you, you can't really appreciate it until it you've got some distance from it. Mm-hmm. And then you say to yourself, how did that happen? <laughs> I mean, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Well, maybe the potential's there for the men's basketball team this year. I, I don't rule it out.
1: I don't either. And obviously there's, there's a long way to go. And we've seen Iowa teams ranked this high in January that have fallen off, but this team there there is something about this team that you can tell is is different and exciting and hopefully we have big 10 you know big 10 implications to talk about on this podcast going forward
0: yeah and if we don't we'll have something to talk about yeah, that's true <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that's all i've got me too okay then that's that's the abrupt ending that we need